0: Your feet get wet, a.k.a. that means blisters, and then that's when it all goes to shit. And kind of like had an idea of how to fix your feet. I literally had no idea.
1: Welcome back to the next episode of the Trail Running Women podcast. I have an episode today that I think you guys are really going to love. I spoke with Adrienne Fear about her first 100-mile race, and she was really fun to talk to. I would actually love to chat with her again because she's now signed up for a 200-miler. Pinhody? Pinawody? Pinawowo. None of us can say it. If you know how to say it, Don wrote. We have a other episode that Don did on it. Anyways, besides the point, Adrienne was fantastic. She went out and ran a 100-miler almost without any knowledge of the course. But she has now taken all of the things that she's learned, and some of them are totally things where you're just thinking, I should have thought of that and just didn't. So when you hear episodes like this, you then can look at the race you have coming up and say, right, I should know if my feet are gonna get soaked. I should know if there is way more elevation than I am expecting. I should know if I need poles, etc." The list goes on. So Adrienne is gonna chat with us about everything she learned about her 100 miler, which she completed with sheer grit and a very good fitness base but in hindsight probably could have performed quite a lot better had she spent a bit more time researching what she was going to be up against so i have big hopes for what she can accomplish in the future she also tells us in a very fun and entertaining way so this is an episode you are going to love this episode is brought to you by bitter sunglasses so we are in august and it is still a great time to invest in some sunglasses for the rest of summer and for early spring 15% off with TRW15 at checkout. You guys know I'm absolutely obsessed because if you follow me on Instagram at Hillsport55, you can see that I have every different color and different shades of lenses. I've got some lighter lenses that are good for tennis or for overcast where it's still too bright, but I want to see the roots and the rocks and the trails, and then some really dark ones. And then some full face visor ones for when I'm driving and I don't want to get that eyebrow crinkle in between my eyebrows. So they've got something for everybody. They're so much fun. They are functional. They don't slip. They don't bounce. Yesterday I was playing tennis in the sun and my opponent had to take their sunglasses off because they kept sliding down their face because it was 95 degrees out. But guess who got to wear their sunglasses without issue? Me. They did not slip. They did not bounce. And people actually commented on it. So, I mean, that is pretty amazing evidence that these are going to be the most comfortable things you've had on your face while running of all time. So again, that's gooder.com trw to check out my favorites and use discount code TRW15 at 15% off Check checkout. As always, if you'd like to leave us a rating and review, that's how more people find us and really helps the show. If you have questions for trail tips, please reach out. And Patreon is where I'm putting up all of the old episodes, so you can find them there. And the link to that is also at my Instagram at hillsport 55 Or you can just search Trail Running Home Podcast on the Patreon website. That's all for now. Here is Adrian. I am joined today with Adrienne Fear, who is currently on holidays, but taking the time to chat with us today about her first 100-mile race at Mohican, where she came 12th female and finished her first 100-miler and learned a lot of lessons. And we are going to get into all of those things. Welcome to the show, Adrienne.
0: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So you are 39, just for our listeners? Yep, I am. Okay,
1: awesome. So as we normally do, let's get into a bit of your background first. Why don't you tell us uh, where you grew up and if you ran as a kid or played any sports, um, general history.
0: Um, so I live in Milford, Michigan. Um, we're kind of between Detroit and Ann Arbor. Um, I like to think of where we live as a secret sweet spot on the Huron River. Um, if I leave my back door, I can be on dirt roads in about a half mile and then on single track within about another half mile. And we have a pretty intense trail system where I live that I can run I could do a hundred miles in my backyard basically if I wanted to. I just haven't done that yet. Um I like to think I've kind of run forever. My dad ran distances, so I've kind of seen it like I've always been around it. Um I did a brief stint with competitive cycling and then I left because I just kind of it wasn't for me anymore and I came back to running kind of threw kids here and there and then I don't know what drew me in to like distance and more distance and more distance um and right now I will say I crave the longer stuff
1: yeah it's funny I was looking at your ultra sign up and there wasn't a lot of short get into trail (laughs) runs.
0: There isn't. I really like to think of myself as like the Strava queen. Like if I can post it on Strava, some crazy run, that's really what I rather do. Like I rather go out and run like twenty five miles on Strava and just do that. That's awesome. I love that. Um,
1: why? Any idea why? I mean, you said you kind of didn't know, but there had to be something. What was? I don't idea know. There? That's yeah, kind of funny.
0: That's like the funny part. And I've really kind of tried to like look inside after the 100. Like, why did I choose to run 100 miles? Because it was not an easy experience. And it was not an easy experience for my family to kind of like support me through the 100. And I read some article on Instagram about it talked about like extreme childhood trauma causes people to go these long distances. And I'm like, I don't have childhood trauma. Like there's none of that in my past. I have no idea. It's just my thing. I enjoy the long stuff. So, yeah, okay. Well, I can relate. That's fair enough. Yeah. So,
1: what 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 about what made you sign up for your first actual race? Um,
0: oh, like way long ago? Yeah. I don't know. I think it was more like I had this run streak going and then I decided I wanted to run an ultra because running a marathon in my head at least just wasn't enough, so I decided to run a 50k like to me it sounded better it probably wasn't any better than running a marathon because I did pretty much the same training block as a person running a marathon it was just longer um and I kind of did that after kid four yeah
1: Wow. Okay. So let's get into that. You have four children. How old are they? No, we have five. Five. Oh my
0: God. Okay. Sorry. I just
1: assumed four would have been enough,
0: right? I think that's what most. I think two people would, two kids would have been 20, Except we have five. Wow. Okay.
1: So how old are they?
0: Um. Our oldest is eleven, and our youngest is two.
1: Holy. Okay. So when I have a two-year-old, and people are like, "How could you possibly run?" Right. K. So. Uh, talk to us about how you fit Before we get into the actual race Let's talk about the training And you can talk about for your 100 miler But I mean if you look at your history You've been
0: doing this I've been doing this for a while Yeah and yeah. I mean so my run streak now is 4 years old So I had a baby in my run streak Which most people are like What? No I can I can totally relate to that um. <laughs> Right I know it's like it's done People do it um,
1: your body heals up from birth quite easily. So that's,
0: yeah. I mean, it wasn't kid number one. I don't think I would have been bold enough to do it after kid one, kid right. five. We've done this before. We knew what to expect. Um, I will say my husband was the biggest piece of my training. Like without him, it wouldn't have happened. Um, like he held down the house so I could run. Like long distances. I do, I really, really try not to have it impact my kids' like schedules. So, like, most of them are in school. So, during the week, I really, really, really try to run during nap time um, when the two year old is napping. Either like I can kind of do like loops in our yard, as weird as that sounds, um, or I just bang it out on my treadmill. Like, I know people kind of hate the treadmills, but it's a tool, it serves a purpose, it gets the job done. And then on the weekends, I really, really, really try and get up early, which for me, that's like the hardest thing ever. Um, And then I kind of aim to be back by like 10 a.m. and like, quote, functional by like 11.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I think it's important to kind of talk about how you can make it work where, like you said, you feel like you're not impacting your kid's schedule because like what you just said there is, okay. I'm taking it. essentially a couple hours a week away from the time that they are home and awake. Um, But the assumption is always, I I guess I bring this up because somebody made a comment yesterday that was like, Oh, your husband must be really good with your son if you're gone all the time. Cause I said I had a 50 K this weekend and I was like, Hey, if my husband ran 50 Ks, would you say, Oh, your wife must be really good with your baby. I don't think so. Um, and also like you just said, no, I'm actually not impacting his schedule at all. Um, so I'm just
0: glad some of the four kids also same thing. Yeah. I mean, I mean like for us, I really like, he's not, my husband is not babysitting our children. He is parenting. We are just taking turns parenting our kids. And while, yeah, he took like the early shift, what no one else sees is that he goes to bed on the early side and I take the evening shift with the kids. And it's just for us, that's just how we kind of shift around and parent.
1: On the more numbersy side, do you know leading into this hundred miler how many miles per week you were actually running?
0: I was running over 50 miles a week and I had been holding that 50 plus is kind of like where I like to be. Like, that's just, I don't know why that just feels comfortable to me. Um, I had been holding that, I think it was through October. So October until the race in June, I was over 50 miles a week.
1: Okay. I love that. Like that's a really solid base, but it's not anything crazy either.
0: No, Um, I mean, it's just, it's where like, I mean, like I'm still kind of in that recovery mode from the hundred, but like this week I was kind of like to my coach was like, can we go back to 50 now? And he was like, pump your brakes. Let's give it like one or two more weeks. And I was like, okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. hundred miler, you probably need more time than your
0: birth. It sounds like. I know. Like my feet are still pretty, like I'm looking at them right now. I'm like, damn, they still look terrible. (laughs) How many weeks ago was it now? Um, it was like 45 days ago. Okay. Yeah. So the problem is like your
1: muscles are starting to crave movement, but your nervous system is probably like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Don't tell me this. I don't want to hear this. Um. (laughs) It's it's been a lot. Like, and I think there was a lot of things that like on the recovery side, I just didn't expect to happen. Like, I just didn't expect some of this. So. totally and I thought your email kind of of the things you
1: learned was really interesting because it wasn't so much about the actual race either it was everything else that goes with putting your body through this so mm-hmm. let's get into it a little bit so Mohican 100 miler why don't you start with what made you decide to do a 100 miler and why this particular race and then uh, maybe a bit of an outline of what the race is actually like for everybody
0: um so Mohican has been on my radar since I was cycling um Mountain biking was not an aspect of the cycling scene that I was very confident in, but Mohican kind of drew me in because I had friends who had raced it, and I was like, ooh, I got to get to Mohican, even though I knew it was above my skill set, even with the best bike that I could purchase kind of situation. Um, So I actually registered for Mohican last year, um, and the training block was an absolute disaster. It was I called it yo-yo training, like I would go up really well, and then I would like crash for two weeks, and I would come back for two weeks, and I would come down, and I was in PT because I was having a ton of issues with my quad, and they kind of made this comment like, we can't build a house with toothpicks, and I was like, what in the world does that mean? And they go, something is wrong, but we don't know what. And your quad is not responding to what we're doing. It kind of responds, and then it backslides. And I was like, okay. And they're like, nutrition-wise, where are you at? Because we know you have some history with some kind of like wonky eating, and you stress, and then you calorie restrict. And I was like, I have no idea. I feel great right now, kind of. But I'm really tired. So we ran a full iron panel, and my ferritin actually came back at (laughs) 4. So... Last year, Mohican did not happen because I had to recover and rest and get my iron levels back to, like, a functional status as a normal person. And then we wanted them back to where they should be as an endurance athlete. Um, so I, I've i had Mohican. Mohican has been this race that I've wanted to do. Like, I just had to do Mohican. Um, and then this year, the training block, my iron levels were under control. They were actually like above where we were kind of hoping my quad was all happy. I was continuing with PT, just the training block went like beautifully perfect. Um, so I think that was kind of going into Mohican. Did I answer the question right? Yeah,
1: totally. I'm just, four is really low. So what did they do to get your iron back up?
0: Um we so because my eating like I like to calorie restrict, I like to do weird things. I also have celiac disease, so I have like issues anyways with nutrient nutrient absorption. Um we did ferritin or we did no, we did chlorophyll supplements, um which is like a plant-based iron, I believe, I think. I'm actually still on it. And then because I'm still breastfeeding a child and I was still technically a, like a postpartum female, Um, I went back on a prenatal vitamin because those are just like super hopped up and everything amazing that you probably should be eating. And then I went back to a nutritionist and we talked a lot about like foods that have iron and what you should be eating to support iron levels.
1: Okay. So that was an interesting little tidbit. You like to restrict
0: calories. Mm -hmm. I know, right? Like what in my head, like that makes no sense, but it's my thing. Like, I have no idea why I do that. Um, so are you working working on it? Like, yes. Yeah. It's been a con, like we work on it a lot.
1: Yeah. It's just, we've had so many nutritionists recently talk about the amount of calories women especially need to withhold this type of exercise and to have performance. And it is so much more than I ever thought. It kind of, it
0: is. I mean, like, I I really have to work on, like, I come in for a run and, like, someone needs to hand me food. Like, what is the plan to get food back into my system? My husband does a really great job at supporting that. Like, he'll see me coming in and he was like, do you have a recovery drink? Like, I hate buying into that stuff. But for me, a recovery drink product gets me calories in fast. And if I usually do that, my stomach will start accepting more food quicker, Um. So I, that's kind of something like I have to do that for me. Yeah, that's fair.
1: So, okay. So tell us a bit about the Mohican Court. Um, is it loops?
0: <laughs> is it point to point? How much elevation is it? It is a it is a looped course. It is four loops. Um, I'm going to say you're going to want to look it up. I'm pretty sure it's 13,000 feet of elevation gain per loop. I'm pretty sure. I'm not 100% sure on that fact. I'm not great at elevation numbers. Um So four loops, I will say it's like a clockwise loop. The bottom half of the course is easier, but contains more technical switchback. The top half of the course is much more technical. And I felt like that top half of the course was like the soul crushing part of the course. (laughs) Um, there are multiple aid stations throughout the course, which I will say were like fully stocked. They each had kind of their own energy and vibe and kind of coolness to them, which was really nice. Um, and then there was one spot at around mile 13 where you're able to leave a drop bag, which was really, really helpful because that was where you you needed to do shoe changes at that point. Um, it is all technical single track.
1: Okay, so I just looked it up, and there is 11,000 feet total, so.
0: Oh, <laughs> there you go. It was ter- it was a lot of elevation, and I feel like I do a lot of elevation running. Like, I feel like I do a lot of, like, like, if you look at my Strava, like, I do pretty decently with elevation stuff on my weekly basis. Like, I get a decent amount, but, like, oh, my gosh, Mohegan, like, gee, that course kicked my butt. What so was I your goal was going into it? Um, so feel free to laugh and everyone can totally laugh at this because I laugh at myself. I really wanted a sub 24 hour, hundred miler. (laughs) I am not laughing, but. Oh, come on. Like that was like not doable. Like there was no way, like in a first hundred miler, like I know everyone said like, yep, we can shoot for it. But no one was like, come on, this is never going to happen. Well, here's the thing you're like,
1: even in your email, you're like, Oh, I didn't really look at the course that much. And like, maybe it could have had a longer cutoff. Um, but also that much elevation in that technical is like, not, not 24 hour time. Right. So probably on a faster course, I believe you could have done it. So I'm not going to laugh at your goal. Cause I think it's possible.
0: Right. I think that was where, like, I just had these like pipe dreams. And then there was like reality. For some of that stuff. but Okay, so I think that's super
1: interesting because people, that happens a lot. And what can happen when you're halfway through is you're so tired and you're like, if you're in a low and you start to realize like, oh my God, I'm now chasing cutoffs or something and I'm not mm-hmm. anywhere near my goal. How did you deal mentally with changing your mind and being like, you know what? I'm just gonna, my goal is to finish this race or how did yeah. you adjust mid-race?
0: Um. So I realized- Okay, so loop one, I came in to the crew area. And after the fact, my crew said I looked like I had seen a ghost and I was going to die. Which I think coming in after loop one, like, I got served big time by that course. And I still had three more loops left to do. So going in to loop two, I really went from I'm going to run as much as possible to I'm going to conserve as much energy as physically possible and make smart choices because I still have three more loops. Like I have to complete three more loops and there is no way if I'm powering up stuff and like bombing down hills, I'm not going to finish. So loop two, I went into this. Okay, if I maintain like a 13 to 16 minute mile average, I will finish not terribly off my time goal, like I will make a great race. So I started power walking insane amounts of section. And it's funny because Heather with relentless forward progress, feel free to delete that if you want to if you don't want me to say that. Um, had a really great post about power walking and how power walking can do great things during a race. Like you can potentially power walk faster than you can to run technical sections and you can conserve more energy than running. So I went into that mode. Um, and that was really like the big change for me Loop two went really well. And I do think like my spirits really picked up when I made the decision that I had to start conserving energy and making smart choices to get out of this race and finish. I love
1: that. I'm definitely not deleting that. I think that we need to support every woman who's giving out good advice and- A hundred percent, especially if there's climbing like that, because you can run up a hill in like a short race, but it takes way more energy where, like you said, you can get up equally as quickly and arguably more efficiently power hiking hard Mm -hmm. um, and you don't blow up the same way. So I actually think your ability to adjust on like how you're going to move through this terrain as well as what your expectations are and having your crew say you look terrible is really hard. Um, to shake that. So I think that is like a huge, a huge thing. And that's a, a reason a lot of people DNF is you kind of get in your, your head like that. Um,
0: so that I was not fun. DNFing, like just to be very <laughs> clear, you were going to remove me from the course or I was not going to finish in the time cut. I was finishing that race. We had waited now over an entire year. I've come through so much. We had the most amazing training block. I was finishing that race. Like that was the plan. And that, that was really like, I went into it with like stubborn Adrian mentality. Like we were finishing. So I love that. Totally love that.
1: Okay. So things that you've learned, your feet.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. My feet. Let's talk about your feet. I mean, I can send you the photos of my feet. I sat in the medical tent for about an hour afterwards because my feet were so bad. Um, I felt like I did all the things like in training runs. I never had any problems. But like looking back at my training runs, my training runs, the longest was like only four hours. I also never ran through streams. So my feet never got wet in training runs. I never ran through. Do you guys use the term moop? No. Okay. so apparently it's a Mohican term. It means mud and poop which is disgusting, and, like, you ran through moop on these trails. It was, like, the bridal trails. Oh, my God. It, it was just gross. And here I am, like, the medical person. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we have open feet wounds, and we're running through moop. Like, oh, my gosh, I need antibiotics right now. Just, like, oh,
1: like. Oh. If, so, especially if you're having a hard time eating, and then that, you're running through stuff like that, that would really throw me for a loop. Yeah, well, now you know the term moop. Well, great. Thanks for
0: that. <laughs> I know. I'm like, ah, that's so gross. Um, so, I mean, my feet started to take a turn for bad around mile 60. Um, I started to get blisters along the outsides of my heels I lose toenails like nobody's business and I feel like I've tried all the things to stop the toenail shedding and it just never happens. I mean, I feel like I we've looked at every sh- we've looked at a lot of shoes and I've tried all the socks and the in- the toe socks and the lube and like my toenails just don't like life and they kind of flake off. Um The blisters were a totally new thing for me, though. So my crew started applying duct tape to, like, add, like, a barrier to keep the blisters, like, closed in and tighter on the feet, which worked. And then my feet continued to get wet and wetter through the race. So now the duct tape wasn't sticking like it should. So then they started applying more duct tape. So next thing you know, I basically have, like, an ankle cast of duct tape holding these horrific blisters basically into the heels of my feet and then the left foot started to get a blister basically under the knuckle line and then that blister ripped open and was bleeding and was like super deep and that was the one when you took a step on every rock you like cringed in pain it was so bad. Feet pain I think
1: is one of the worst things ever we had another person who ran a multi-day race and same thing like trying to get your feet then ready for the next day how do you do it it. because I don't know so I mean I guess the really good pros especially so in the race she ran it was in the UK so it's very marshy so like you said your feet are wet all the time and I think it's the moisture obviously that expedites the pain um yeah There are YouTube videos where you can tape your feet
0: really,
1: really well. And I think you have to do it before you start. So you can't tape after they get bad, try to hold your blisters in. Yeah. You have to do it preemptively and practice with it. But for me, it's terribly uncomfortable. So I don't know. It's a really tough, it's a really tough part of it, I guess.
0: Yeah. I feel like. Western States had some really good videos about that too. And I was like, it's definitely on my list to like start watching those videos to figure out how to, for- to prevent this from happening for next time. Um, I also feel like I should have bought that book, fixing your feet and slightly read some of it, or maybe at least skimmed parts. So yeah, when- I, think that's, I think that's also
1: the top advice is get the book. Also read the book. Um, Like just kind of maybe read
0: the book a little bit, like something, and then you got to practice the technique. Yeah, (laughs) maybe own the stuff that you need to fix your feet because I didn't pack duct tape. We had to go bum duct tape off of someone else. So yeah, I've been there. And then okay, so what
1: did you guys decide to do? Because the question is always, do we pop the blister or do you tape over it? What did you do? We
0: taped over it. And that was my decision just because of the nature of the course and how dirty my feet were. I didn't want anything to open until we were in like a controlled situation. And I could at least clean my feet afterwards. And then I was comfortable opening them. Yeah. Okay.
1: That's a good call. Um, I've had this happen. My like, I ran 100 miles on pavement and the blisters were... Unreal, Um, And they actually came underneath of my toenails. I don't know Mm -hmm. how that possibly happened.
0: Yeah. So that's where I always get toenail problems. Like that's how my toenail problems start. The blisters happen under the toenails. But usually once those guys, once I like pop them and then they dry out a little bit, they feel fabulous.
1: Totally. Yeah. You just have to live with ugly feet.
0: Oh, yes. My feet are epic right now. (laughs) good good jokes. I think I have one toenail left. Totally. But did
1: you know that you can get a pedicure and they can like, it's not acrylic. It's something else where they can like paint fake toenails on and they (laughs) actually
0: look really good. I'm okay. Like, I feel like this is just kind of like who I am. Like I just have really fugly feet and it was, so I do like home visits for my job and i It took like a week off after the hundred mile race. But I mean, like a week after my feet are still really bad looking, like my toes were just black everywhere. And I went into someone's house and I took my shoes off. And at the end of the visit, she like stops and she goes, what in the world did you do to your feet? And I was like, I ran a hundred miles. And she was like, what? It was like, we're just going to leave it at that. I can relate to that for sure. But she was like, her total seriousness, like I think she expected me to say like, oh, I was run over by a car or something. <laughs> like, yeah, I just ran a hundred casual miles. It's like your badge of honor is your ugly feet. Yeah, it was really, really bad. Again, let's normalize ugly toes. Right. <laughs> Moving
1: on. And this is a big topic and we have some episodes called, called trail tips where we actually discuss this extensively because it is so important plan for big aid stations with your crew. So yes, there needs to be a discussion, but what you expect and what the goals are. Um, and furthermore, everybody has to have a job because otherwise people start telling other people to do things and things get missed. So a discussion, but you need to decide who's doing what and everybody just accomplishes their goal. So what happened with you guys? It was just sort of, let's see what happens.
0: I think that's what it was. I just didn't expect people to have strong opinions about what I should do, especially because it was at that like big start finish aid station, which was like the biggest one where like all of my stuff was. I mean, I didn't feel the need to change my clothes. And there was people saying like, oh, you should change your clothes. Well, my clothes are sweaty and wet. Like, why do I need to change my clothes? Like, it's not a big deal I stink anyways. I'm going back out there to stink. Like, who cares? Um, Because of the celiac disease, I have to be really careful about what I eat. Like, you cannot hand me foreign foods unless we look at the labels because I will get sick and it will take me down pretty hard. Um, There was some errors made that people attempted to hand me foods, that I wasn't comfortable eating because I hadn't looked at the label or people were handing me food like, Oh, you need to eat like a high protein food at this point. And I'm sitting there like, I don't think I can put that in my stomach right now. I much rather have like mashed potatoes or something. Um, th- I just didn't think there should have been a plan for like one person to be like in charge of an aid, like the crew area, which I think should have happened. Yes. So you need a crew leader.
1: Mm -hmm. And then you need to know beforehand, you decide what you can eat. And you say, give me this food, which it sounds like you learned all of this. But it's so hard going into your first one as well, because you're like, well, I don't really know. So maybe you need more options. But Definitely, you need someone who's like, okay, you're the food person. And on every loop, like, I'm either going to want to repack my gels or I'm going to have yes. potatoes or bone broth. Um, but it can't be a bunch of people just being like, you need this and you need this right. because they're talking about what they might need or what they saw on TV. And I'm the same. Like, I think my longest race to date is like 26 hours or something. Never changed anything ever, not even shoes. Right. Like, you have to do what works for you because then you're like, Oh, cool. I wasted half an hour struggling to get a new bra on that I didn't need.
0: Right. Better for for me, at least, if I had written down what I had wanted at each stop, like considering like, okay, the first one I think I probably just need, empty my vest, fill up my bladder, send me on my way. Okay. The second one, maybe check in, hey, do you want some mashed potatoes and broth? What are you feeling like? Do you feel like you need a change of shoes? Like like detailed list for people. That's a really good point too, because then there's the other part of it where you're like, these people are staying up all night
1: for you and you want to be kind to them. But yeah. sometimes when they're not in your right mind, you're like, oh,
0: I fucking told you. I know. And I did apologize to everyone afterwards a million times. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I was really mean. And they're like, you were not mean at all. And it was like, I was just really tired. And they're like, no, we expected this. I'm like,
1: Yeah, I think everybody knows getting going into the race like this person is going to go through hell and back basically. So, yeah. yeah, take it with a grain of salt.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think having like more assigned crew jobs and I think for the 102 there was this expectation that like at this big aid station stop at least these people like my crew that was there with me, like they were under the impression that I was going to want to like take a nap or like sit down for like six hours, which was not happening. My goal was really just to get in and out because I wanted to finish within this imaginary time goal that I had. If you have a plan and you know what
1: you're doing, you can maximize that time as well because it is really crazy when you look at your results after. And you're like, Oh my God, if I went and saw my crew X amount of times and it took 10 minutes, like I spent yeah. an hour and 10 minutes in aid stations or something when you needed 25 Eight. minutes total.
0: Yes. And like, I did make it very clear, like at, at all the other aid stations on the course, the only thing I was interested in the touching was water because I just wanted to refill my bladder. I was not interested in touching their foods. No offense to anyone. I just can't touch your food because I don't want to get sick. My vest was entirely self-sustaining until I got to that drop bag or back to that start finish line. So while everyone else was walking through aid stations, I was motoring through because that was how I needed to get through those aid stations. So before we get into your last thing that you
1: learned, which made me laugh, um, how about the actual running? How did your, how did your body feel? What, what were your biggest lows? Um, what would you change about your training? I wanna take a quick break to introduce our new sponsor who has a product I literally use every day. So I started taking AG1 from Athletic Greens because I needed a greens powder that A, actually tastes good and B, something that had 75 high quality in vitamins and minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics and adaptogens so that I could recover from my super hard runs. And a few days before I race, I start cutting out fruits and vegetables so that I don't get digestive upset during long runs so this is key to feeling good. I just had my best race and I swear it's because of the recovery and the bonus benefits I am getting from AG1 from Athletic Greens. So it is lifestyle friendly whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It has less than one gram of sugar, no GMO, no nasty chemicals, and no artificial anything while still tasting good. And it costs less than $3 a day. So you're investing your health and it's cheaper than our coffee. It has over 7,000 five-star reviews and it's recommended by professional athletes all around the world. It is hundred percent helping with sleep and recovery to make it easy. Athletic greens is going to give you one free year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash TRWP. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash TRWP for trail running women podcast to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And I will link to that in the show notes as well.
0: I wish I had done. So I, I use a. I I have a coaching, a coach that I use who I love them so much and I have no intention of changing or leaving but I will say they're a lot more road focused than trail focused, And I am the anomaly in that training group training coaching platform. Um, I wish I had done more training on technical single track for longer segments of time. Yeah. That's a hard one though.
1: Cause it's like, if you can't get to the course, how do you know? Right.
0: Right. I mean, I can, I can replicate some areas, But I also feel like that course had so much climbing. Like we have a huge sledding hill in our area. I should have gone to that sledding hill and turned it into switchbacks and just walked up and down it for hours at a time just to get that like practice pushing up a hill like that.
1: Race specific training is often, in hindsight, this would have really worked. You kind of got to go easy a bit on yourself too because that's such a hard one. I mean, you can get as much of the course as you want, but so much of these races, you're just sort of out by yourself and there's not a lot of photos or any way to know that unless you speak to someone who's done a race.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think that like goes into the next topic too. Like I could have, I could have tried to find more resources about the course. Like as much as I wanted to do this race, I really didn't know a whole lot about the course. (laughs) So that's super interesting. And I've definitely done that.
1: Why do you think you were just... Just like, you know what? I probably don't need to look into it. Was it like it could just be time or is there something that you thought?
0: I think sometimes like I'm kind of an absent-minded person. And I think by the time I realized I should have really studied a course map, gone on YouTube and really like tried to find some videos about the course or photos, it was just too late. It was... I mean, like it was like a week and a half out. So like the damage was done. I can't go do hill repeats now. Like I'm in a taper. It's, it is what it is.
1: Yeah. I I can relate to that so much, but I almost kind of like the reason I ask is I sort of like the unknown too. Yeah. For a hundred miler, you need to have some sort of like, this is an exciting adventure. where You don't know what's coming. I guess that's probably
0: an I I see both sides of it. I really wish though, I had taken poles. Like I could have really benefited her from poles and I didn't have them because I didn't think I needed them because I didn't look into the course. Poles are a tough
1: one. Cause you also then would have wanted to train with those. Like I've had, exactly. yeah, cause they, like my friend got tennis elbows yes. mid race from poles. So it's like, yeah, these types of things you do need to know ahead, but It's also, those are the things you learn doing a 100 miler that you can then change for next time. And the Mm -hmm. funny thing, and this is like, I did a tips episode and this came up, is like, it's almost good to have a notes on your phone of these things because for some reason, people have to relearn these lessons over and over Yeah, Like, it's just, it blows my mind. Even things like, I know that I need salt tabs if it's hot. And then if I don't race for a year, I will have to relearn that and be like, oh shit.
0: Right. And- The salt tabs is interesting, too, because I had never trained with salt tabs just because the weather in Michigan, where we were at training block wise and where the race fell, we weren't really into the hottest part of the summer. So I wasn't using salt tabs. But that race day was a little on the warmer side and I needed them like and I was fine with them. I didn't react weird to them or anything. But I probably should have practiced with them. Which I didn't. (laughs) I'm sensing a theme here. I know. There's a lot. Like, it was a great training block. But, like, looking back, I should have done a lot more homework and a lot more practicing. Like, I should have read more books, I feel like, in doing this. You know what? That's why I wanted to do this podcast.
1: Because people are going to have their first race coming up. And they're going to listen to this and be like, okay. So, there's specific, tangible advice here. But there's also just, like, over overlapping umbrella that could be like there's more to these races than just running a long way every day and you can work through these things with your coach or you can just kind of look at people sometimes have YouTube videos or race recaps um and you can you can read about these things especially sometimes I remember last year I read a race recap and was like oh dang there's a river in the middle of this race (laughs) like it's really nice to know these things
0: yeah, I think I should have like I get stuck on my phone a lot at nighttime, like just kind of hanging out on the couch. Like I should have taken thirty minutes every day and tried to go down like a Google black hole about the Mohican one hundred and just read anything I can get my hands on about the race to be prepared. I could have been prepared for the moop stuff. I could have understood like your feet get wet, aka that means blisters, and then that's when it all goes to shit. And kind of like had an idea of how to fix your feet. I literally had no idea.
1: <laughs> well, this is fantastic. I'm so impressed that you just like tapped this out. It's
0: awesome. Hey, I did sign up for a 200 miler because I feel like you run a hundred and then like that 30 day window hits and you're like, oh, I should run a 200 now. So like, I'm trying to take this all back in. Like, okay, if we're doing a 200, we got to do the homework this time. And it starts now for April. Oh, that is so funny. Cause I was going to say,
1: Definitely. I can tell in your voice that you are like, okay, I need to try this again. And what's it going to be? I was not expecting the double in distance. Um, so what, what 200 mile are you
0: doing? I'm going to do the Padawata, I can't say the word, the Potawatomi 100 or 200 in Illinois. It's in early April. Okay. So there is an episode that we did, um, I can't say the word
1: either, of somebody who just finished that one. Okay, well, um, I need to go listen to it and then I need yeah, to go so email gone, them. So yeah, you'll get some good insight from there
0: and find out about that race because I'm not doing it like that, the 100 this time. And I'm the doing, number one thing is like, I'm
1: finishing this race. So you have the number one thing. So all the rest is just bonus details.
0: Yeah, I think I really like, I learned a lot from the 100. Like it was just a really great, and not like running wise, I feel like life lessons, like, I really learned that, like, I can do some really hard shit and I can't, like, doubt myself anymore.
1: Isn't that the best? Especially, like, even women who run 50Ks who thought they would never run at Mm -hmm. all. And then it's, like, that transfers into your life of, like, holy shit, I'm capable of whatever I put my mind to.
0: Yeah. I mean, I quit my job a week after the 100.
1: Yes. Amazing.
0: So, yeah, it's been a really interesting Thing coming off of it. I also didn't understand. No one had ever told me that like the sleep coming off of the one hundred would be so messed up. Yes. um Okay. So
1: I want to before we run out of time. Yeah. Get into the post race sleep as well. Like, is that kind of ties into the last thing you learned about like how to get comfortable after the race? Oh my um, gosh! Yeah. yeah. Your feet aren't going to fit in shoes. I had to wear extra big slides for a long time. Yeah, um, and tight yoga pants is like no. You need no. like dad's pajamas.
0: Yeah, my feet. So I have massive feet to begin with. Like I wear a women's 11 and a half, 12. So my feet are huge, and no one ever has shoes that like I can borrow some, like a friend's shoes. I brought my Ufu slides. My feet were so swollen, I couldn't get my feet into the slides. Ouch. Yeah, and we had a four-hour car drive home. Had you taken any Tylenol or anything? I did take Tylenol afterwards. And I think I ate oh, like a big meal and had like a lot of fluids. And then I think I took some ibuprofen on top of it. Please no one hate me on that comment.
1: No, I've had to do that too. Because sometimes like if you have knee or IT pain, IT uh-huh. pain I can't speak this morning, um, or feet pain. And once the adrenaline starts to wear off, I remember once like actually screaming and being like, "Oh, oh, no, like if this is life now, I've just killed myself.
0: Yeah, it was ugly. And I had yoga pants packed for the drive home. And thank God a friend had like jogging pants, like jogging. I don't know what the style is, but like loose flowy sweatpants. I mean, I wore those home and I did not wear a bra home because my chest was just like tired of being bound. It felt like. It was terrible. And I remember going into a gas station on the way home and like looking at the food they had and I was still really hungry. And I was like, oh my God, this is like aid station food just all over again. Like I want nothing to do with any of this food in here. Like this is gross.
1: Totally. I always find a shocking thing that I want after is also just like vegetables.
0: Yes. Because you're like enough of this crap. Yes. I don't want any more gas station food. And I walked into the gas station and like my main crew person was with me and she was like, it looks like you're a senior citizen who has pooped their pants and you are walking into a gas station. Your feet don't fit in your shoes and you look like a hot disaster. And I was like, I just ran a hundred miles. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs>
1: oh i know that look well it's so satisfying though
0: isn't it yeah and i did ask the gas station in the middle of ohio i was like do you sell flip-flops and he was like uh no you crazy lady and i was like i just want some flip-flops to fit my feet oh
1: so funny (laughs) so don't bring
0: yeah like don't bring your ufu slides don't bring tennis shoes you need like tiba sandals or flip-flops for that drive home So what happened with uh, your sleep after the race? I like didn't, like I couldn't physically sleep. Yeah. And like when you look at like my Garmin sleep scores, I was in like the 20s for like the two weeks after, which is so bizarre because I was so exhausted, but I couldn't sleep. Like I physically couldn't sleep.
1: Yeah, I think that one's super common. Um, What I've learned is that sometimes if you are, craving nutrition, that makes it harder. Like the more you can eat, the easier than it is to sleep.
0: Yeah. I was definitely eating like midnight and 2 AM. I was like going downstairs for food.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a big part of it. And then you just sort of have to wait. Like if you think you were, sorry, what was your total time? Thirty. I
0: think it was like 28 hours or something terrible. It's not terrible.
1: You ran a hundred miles.
0: I know Um, it was a long day.
1: It was a long day and a bit. So you're like used to sleeping half of that normal. Right. instead, your digestion is working overtime because you're also trying to move. Your eyesight's working. Yes. All of your organs are working. So everything is just shot. And like coming down from basically the shock of that, your body's like vibrating for weeks and you just sort of have to be patient.
0: Yeah. And the other, the really other weird part was, was my face was sore. And I think it was because I was eating every 30 minutes basically for 28 hours. Like my jaw was physically exhausted feeling. My cheeks hurt because I've got chubby cheeks and the chub like
1: flopping up and down. So (laughs) you just never know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, it was the weirdest thing ever. And then like I look back and I was like, yeah, because I don't eat every 30 minutes for 28 hours. No wonder why my face is just exhausted. Like those muscles just don't work like that normally. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic.
1: So going into your 200 mile race, you're going to do research. There's still going to be unexpected stuff. um, But what is your goal for your 200 mile race?
0: I don't know yet. I mean, I literally just registered and I feel like I'm still kind of in shock that I pulled the trigger on it. Right. I think, okay. I mean, like, I want to finish this race. You get a jacket. So, like, I need the jacket this time. And I definitely want the belt buckle. And I think that was the big thing with Mohican. I was, like, like towards the end when, like, my feet were really sore and I was just really, like, I was in, I was done, basically. I was like, I don't care when I finish. I just want the stupid belt buckle. Like, I just need the buckle.
1: It's funny because it's like if you saw that belt buckle in a gas station, probably wouldn't ever pay for it this much but yeah i know the feeling i
0: brought my belt buckle on vacation to like show my dad who was not able to be at the race to crew for me cuz some stuff happened and he was like oh that is a nice belt buckle and it was like you know it and you know i totally wear it all the time still <laughs> and he was like i'm not surprised
1: Well, the race definitely didn't hinder your spirits at all. Um, This has been awesome. I feel like I got to live through my first 100 mile too. And I'm so excited to see how well you can run with these new uh, lessons that you learned. Yeah. Last question. If you could describe Mohican 100 miler in three words, what would they be?
0: Oh, that's hard. Probably up, up, and up. (laughs) Awesome. I love it so much. So if our listeners want to talk to you
1: more about this or find you on the interwebs, do you have an Instagram or anything like that?
0: Yeah, I'm on Instagram. It's, I'll probably have to spell it. It's A A-S-A-R-K-O-Z. A-S-S-A-R-K-O-Z. A-S-S-A-R-K-O-Z. Okay. I will Just follow me on Instagram.
1: I will link to that in the show notes so that everybody can see that as well. In case anybody has questions, maybe they will have to ask you about Mohican for their research.
0: Yeah, I'm totally willing to help because let me be the guinea pig of all the lessons.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been an absolute pleasure and I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day.